0: Thank you for joining us here at Second Baptist Church. Today you will be hearing one of our members teach from the Explore the Bible curriculum. The Explore the Bible curriculum is provided by Lifeway and is a curriculum that we use in our Sunday school and Bible study groups at the church. If you are able, we would love to have you join us in one of our groups. Our church meets at 301 Tomberlin Road and more information can be found at secondbaptistwaycross.com. Thank you for joining us. Good morning and welcome to Sunday School at 2nd Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me this morning. Um, We are going to continue in the book of Luke uh, with a very specific group of verses today. Um, And really, there are not too many of those verses. But we, you know, last week we had talked about um, the Last Supper and uh, all that occurred with that and so today we're talking about the Garden of Gethsemane and when Jesus was arrested and so it's a very really a short passage that we're going to cover but it's important for us to dig deeper into it and see all the things that happened as it leads up to uh, the crucifixion and it says in our book uh, it starts off talking about life can be hard with health issues and other things. And certainly um, that is true. And, it, and it's difficult when we are outside our comfort zone. We begin to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. And I think we'll see some of that in the, with the disciples in what we study today. So let's look at Luke chapter 22 and our book is going, our student book is going to start with verse 41, but I'm going to start with verse 39 and we're going to read just a couple verses ahead of that. So they they were in um, Jerusalem and had the Last Supper and then um, we start with this, and he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at that at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. So, they had been in Jerusalem and had the Last Supper, and they had been, during this Passover week, spending the night... Um, On the Mount of Olives I think at times um, in the garden there um, where they they probably sort of you know camped or what do they call it in England rough sleeping so um, they they had gone back to that place then and back to the area where they had been staying night by night and the disciples were with him and He said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. You know, I don't know if they knew what he meant by that or what temptation may confront them. But um, this, you know, this was what he he told them. And then we begin um, the lesson. So I'm going to read verses 41 and 42. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and began to pray. Saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, um. My observation on these verses. First of all, I, I had a lot of thought about what is a stone's throw. So I looked that up. You know, I Googled it and found several definitions of what is a stone's throw to be a stone's throw away and basically it's somewhere not far um, is the general consensus but the idea is that you know it might be about as far as you could throw a, a larger stone so depending on who was throwing the stone right as to how far away that would be but some distance away then he went to pray and he knelt down and he began to pray saying father if you're willing remove this cup from me yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, that is recorded by Luke, but obviously someone must have heard him saying those things and told it to Luke in order for Luke to write it down. Um, And so, I have this picture in my mind of maybe, you know, one or two of the disciples coming a little closer to see what he was doing, you know, and listening and hearing his prayer. Um, Or maybe he was, maybe a stone's throw just wasn't very far and they could hear him, you know, over there praying. And then the prayer that he said is, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. And, you know, we have talked a lot about the incarnation uh, so that Jesus was fully human and fully God at the same time and so when he is speaking to the father you know he and the father are one but at the same time he's human he has these human feelings and human emotions and so I think this is where that really gets revealed in this you know prayer in the garden where most of the time he was healing people he was doing miraculous things then you can you can say oh yeah, he was God, you know, in human form. That's pretty easy to to make that leap. But but when you see that he is saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, then I think you see the the human side. That even though he knew what the outcome was going to be, didn't he? Because he's already told them. He knew already what it was going to be. But at the same time, Um, the burden of what he was about to go through had to affect him on the human side. You know, you don't just um, know that you're imminently about to be tortured and put to death without feeling some strong emotions about that. I mean, you have to unless you're just, you know, maybe on drugs or something like that but I mean you would have to feel the emotions of that and he did and then he says yet not my will but yours be done in other words he knew already what God's will was you know for this to happen in this way and so you know at this point he's surrendering to to say I know that that it has to be this way and so he he prays that prayer and then it says um in verses 43 to 46 now an angel from heaven appeared to him strengthening him and being in agony he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood Falling down upon the ground. When he I lost a place, sorry. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So An angel comes as he's prayed this prayer, take this cup from me. You know, it's a, he's feeling the, all of those human emotions. You you know, you can imagine really the agony and the agony of knowing what he was facing in taking on the sins of the world, not only the physical suffering that he was about to go through, but this other part, which was even more important taking on the sins of the world and what that I mean, we can't even imagine what that must have been like and So it says being in agony. He was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground So, you know, you hear different interpretations of this whether actual blood you know, was coming out like sweat, or whether it was just that the sweat drops were so large and dropping that Dr. Luke, who wrote this down, recorded it like it was drops of blood dropping from a person who had been injured. You know, it was lots of um, sweat, you know, falling down. And so we don't know for sure which, which it was, But at any rate, we do know that he was in agony uh, in this time. And then he rose from prayer and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. So they were grieved that whatever was about to happen, you know, it wasn't. Um, It wasn't going to be good. It didn't seem like it was going to be good and, you know, they had to have been um, so stressed out over that and not knowing exactly what was coming that that, you know, how that feels when you you just There's so much emotion involved Sometimes your body just kind of shuts down and you go to sleep and so perhaps that's what had happened with them and again jesus says why are you sleeping get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation now he's talked twice about temptation what they may be tempted to do and and temptation is when you are you know you're tempted to do something that you should not do and so i know that had to be a little bit puzzling for the disciples what is the thing that we may be tempted to do that uh, we should not do and and so before we read the next bit, I want to jump back and I want to um, talk about uh, a comment that he had made earlier. Let me find it. where he talks about the swords. And I think we had talked about it last week a little bit. I don't see the verse now, but where um, right at the end of the of the Lord's Supper, he said, um, Jesus said that anybody who, here it is, when I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, did you like anything? And they said, no, nothing. And he said to them, but now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag and whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. Um, and then he, he goes on to say that it's going to be fulfilled what was written He was numbered with transgressors. So he, you know, he's about to be um, called a criminal. And so he's telling his disciples at this point, which is right before this prayer in the garden, you know, get ready, be prepared, have your money, your coat, and... um, even get a sword if you don't have one. And so they said, the disciples said to him, well, we have two swords here. And uh, so a couple of them had a sword and he said to them, it is enough. So, you know, they were, they, they had the, the feeling then that they were arming themselves against whatever was to come. And so, you know, if you're arming yourself, then you, you, have that fight or flight sort of feeling that hey we may have to fight and and we need to be ready for that so you there are a lot of intense emotions that they must have been feeling okay now uh so he says to them the second time get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation and then in verses 47 and 48 While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And so he knew fully well what Judas was doing. You know, Judas was giving the signal to these others who had come with him saying, you know, I'll, I'll go up and I'll, I'll greet him, and you'll know that's the guy, you know, and, and that sort of thing, because it was dark there. I mean, they didn't have streetlights or anything like that, you know, so when, when you're in the dark like that, uh, you know, things can look different, and so, um, but when he came up and did this, he approached Jesus to kiss him, which is a greeting, you know, that they do on the two cheeks or whatever. Then he said, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? So he let Judas know that, hey, I know exactly what you're doing. You know, you've not fooled me by pretending to be my friend right now. Um, And this crowd that came, if you read in some of the other accounts uh, of who it was, you know, it it names, uh, it gets more specific about the fact that it was chief priests and others. Um, of the religious rulers who came along with their servants or whoever to capture him you know in the dark like this and so now we see the reaction of the disciples in verse 49 and 50 when those who were around him saw what was going to happen they said Lord shall we strike with the sword and one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Okay, and then in another account, um, if you read through all the Gospels, you'll see that it, Peter is named as the one who grabs the sword and slices off this ear. And so they, again, they felt that, okay, we've got these swords, and he said, get some swords, you know, And so in their minds, probably, they felt like, okay, we we need to try and defend him at this point because they're about to arrest him. They came with, I don't know, if they had their own swords or what they had that, you know, let it be known that, hey, you know, they're about to take him away. And so he cuts off the ear of this slave. And um, then let's read verse 51 where Jesus says, But Jesus answered and said, stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So he put the ear back on and healed the guy right there in front of him. And I just think, you know, that was a miracle right there in front of them. And still, they just were able to ignore that and continue with their wicked plan. I mean, I just don't, you know, it's unfathomable how they could have done that. But, you know, they were wicked people. And at the same time, so are we, aren't we? We make decisions that are so wicked. And when you look at it, you just think, how could that person do that? You know, but we do. Uh, I think we all make wrong decisions at times um and so let's read on then in verse 52 and 53 then jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come against him so now here's here are some specific people that had that are named he said uh, to them have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber while I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. And so, you know, he's, he's basically, he's, what he said to them there is that, look, I was in the temple every day. You could have arrested me. And of course they didn't because the crowds, so many crowds were following him and listening and, and believing and understanding the things that he was saying. And so they couldn't just arrest him right in public or there would have been an uprising or, you know, a riot or whatever. And so now they're sneaking around and doing it um, with swords and clubs, he says. So obviously they were armed when they came, uh, as you would a robber. And um, then he makes this comment, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. And another interpretation of that, in verse 53 is this is your hour and power of darkness so they were using the cloak of darkness to do the dastardly deed of arresting him and um, they had chosen you know that hour to do it but also it was more than that it was Jesus I guess you might say relenting to say okay this hour is yours you're gonna do what you're gonna do and he already knew what it was and yet he went ahead and was arrested by them because he knew this was what this was leading to was the promise of salvation for the world for anyone who believes in him and so you know he gave over that hour to them, I guess, at that time uh, to do what they what they were going to do, and he, he already knew what it was. So, that's all of our lesson for this week. It's not very long, but I think it it is uh, a part that we might sometimes, you know, skim over a little bit because it just leads right on into, you know, the next bit where he gets taken away to the house of the high priest and etc etc we'll go into that next week but you know it is important for us to um stop and reflect a little bit on the events and and to think through the emotions that were happening thank you for being with me and um we'll see you again next week